You're listening to Between the Reads, a bi-weekly podcast that shines a spotlight on books by new and recently published authors. I'm your host, Audra Russell. Are you looking for a good read? Tired of being disappointed by trending books that don't live up to the hype? Maybe you're an aspiring author and feel like giving up on your writing? Stay tuned, book lovers and writers alike. This show is for you. Saikim Kantam, a native of Bedford-Stuyvesant, Brooklyn, is now a resident of Memphis, Tennessee. He is the founder of MSKM Presents, a foundation most popularly known for its Finding Your Future Scholarship Fund and Giving Back to Help Others Get Ahead initiatives, as well as its Christmas-slash-Kwanzaa book and toy giveaway. Saikim Kantam is a 20-year retired veteran of the New York City Department of Corrections, Rikers Island. He is not only a community activist, but is also the author of Just My Thoughts and The Man Commandments. Saikim Kantam, welcome to the show. Peace and universal blessings. Thank you, my sister. Thank you for having me. Oh, it is absolutely my pleasure. So let me ask first, do you go by Saikim or is it full Saikim Kantam? Because I do not want you to get upset with me saying your name wrong. (laughs) Um, You definitely can call me Saikim or Saikim Kantam, however you... Okay. Okay, Saikim. Does anybody ever call you Sai or anything short? Definitely. Okay. Um, They have messed my name up throughout the years, (laughs) but, you know, some people get you know, tired of asking me how to properly pronounce it. So they just say, I'll just call you Sai. Okay. Well, I feel you. Audra is a hard name. I get Audrey all the time, Andrea, Adria, and and I've even been called Okra at some point. I, <laughs> <laughs> I kid you not. Those I kid those you are not. Just individuals <laughs> that are trying to be facetious. That's all. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. You know, you know how, how they can be sometimes. Yes. I mean, Audra is hard it's a-u-d-r-a two syllables not difficult but you know that's that's how folks do (laughs) (laughs) it's definitely a pleasure to be here oh well i'm so happy that you're that you're glad to be here and i am glad to have you we about to have a good conversation yes ma'am yes we are (laughs) okay so let's begin with your book the man commandments yes so what are they and what was the inspiration for this book okay well the man commandments aren't a specific tenet. Okay. Personally, the man commandments are things that I feel that all young men should be taught, should adhere to and apply in their life. And these should be principles based on mm-hmm. accountability, because I, I personally believe that accountability is something that is void in our community. Okay. Now, many people may vary in what their particular commandment should be for them. But I feel if it's not rooted in accountability, Mm -hmm. then something is missing. Okay. You know, it's easy for us as men to live within a society and do particular things for other people and expect to be acknowledged for certain things. But if you're not living Mm -hmm. for yourself, if you're not standing a firm ground for yourself, Mm -hmm. then there's something void inside of you because you have to hold yourself accountable for anything you do and and especially the things that you choose not to do because Mm -hmm. there's a a reaction to every action and inaction. Mm -hmm. So so accountability is very important. And those are accountability is the underlining tone for each commandment. Now in the book, I have specifically written out 10 commandments. Yes, you did. And if you would like for me to, you know, read a couple. Absolutely. Why don't you why don't you share um, maybe three of the ones that are most the most important to you if you had to prioritize? Okay. well, I'm going to start with number one. Okay. And number one is believe and surrender to a higher power, Mm. having a connection with the most high. Your enlightened self is the only way. Now, Mm. why do I? start this with number one, because we must believe in something. We have Mm -hmm. to. And I'm not here to tell you what to believe in, the validity of what you believe in, but you have to believe in something beyond yourself to attach it to Mm -hmm. any degree of aspirations. You have to see yourself further than where you are, especially as men, because when we're dealing with circumstances within our society, Mm -hmm. within our community, most of us are forced to not even be mm. able to look past our nose. 
So we don't see a tomorrow. Mm -hmm. We don't see a prominent future. So we have to have this instilled inside of us that there is something greater than our immediate circumstances. And you have to and you have to believe in yourself and you have to believe that there is a greater purpose for you. Okay. You have to wake up in the morning and believe that. Mm -hmm. So let's go. Let's go to number three, which is something that is very imperative. Take care of your okay. family, children, mm. and spouse. Do not create a world in which you abandon or neglect. Mm. And the reason that I say that is because, and this is just my personal reflection, some men seem to disregard our, once again, accountability and use societal excuses for why we are not in a position that we are supposed to be in. Or we sometimes stand back from holding ourselves accountable for the world in which we created. Now, if you're a man, and I use that term loosely, if you're a man enough to lay down with a woman and mm-hmm. create children with a woman, you should be cognizant mm-hmm. enough to understand that that is a responsibility mm-hmm. that is for a lifetime. Say that regardless of the dynamics in which that relationship may unfold. And some men think that, okay, well, if I have a disagreement with this particular woman or me and this woman is at odds and we happen to separate, then that right there cuts my ties of responsibility, of obligations, of commitment. You are absolutely incorrect, sir. Mm -hmm. So regardless of what you do, once you make a commitment to yourself and to another person, you have to stand on that. You can't you can't drop the ball because dropping the ball is convenient for you when you want it to be. Mm-hmm. Let's go to seven. Love with everything that is in you. Mm-hmm. Give that love without rationing anything of you. I think this is something that many people try to change the definition of love, exactly. and they use it in they use love in um, a selfish way. And love in itself is selfless. And I say that love with everything that is in you because many of us are hardened. Many of us are hurt. We're dealing with internal pain. We're dealing with heartache, misery. Mm. And people do not acknowledge it. They do not open Mm -hmm. acknowledge it. But yet we are living in a world where it's multi-laid, where love is expected of them. And yet love... It's still needed by them. Mm-hmm. So it's hard for individuals to understand what love is if they never received it or if they never been expected mm-hmm. to truly mm-hmm. give it. So when I say love with everything that is in you, first of all, you have to know who you are. You have to know that you mm-hmm. are of love and you have to condition yourself to speak that way. Most of us, we get caught up in the day to day rhetoric of negativity. And then when we mm-hmm. internalize it so much, it becomes what we speak. Whether we re- realize it or not, whether we're just mm-hmm. commenting on something, if you're if you're addressing something that's negative and you're addressing it over and over, it's going to become part of your makeup. Mm-hmm. It's going to become part of your DNA mm-hmm. some way, somehow. So we got to start focusing mm-hmm. on things that speak about love, engage people in ways that mm-hmm. can enlift them, enhance them, enlighten them. So therefore, mm-hmm. it's like that becomes the habit. And we have to see things for what love is and not make up what love is to us. Like some, some individuals can be selfish and say, well, love to me is you giving me what I want when I want it. And, and exactly. that's not love exactly. because people internalize that. Well, if you give me what I asked for, that means that you mm-hmm. love me. That's, that's not love. That's conditioning. Mm-hmm. So people really have to understand what love is, the purity mm-hmm. of love. And we have to give it as much as we want it, but it mm-hmm. has to be in a pure sense. And I think it also begins with two things. One, you have to love yourself first and get to know yourself first before you can even be in a relationship. And two, if you have been in relationships where either you've done the hurting or someone has hurt you, you have to take, and this is where I think a lot of people have their downfall, is that you have to take the time to heal from that relationship, take the lessons out of it. And then acknowledge the pain and let that go because otherwise you're carrying baggage from relationship to relationship to relationship to relationship. And every single relationship is going to at some point fail and you're going to walk away if you're not willing to 
A, either see that the pain someone caused you has caused you to wall yourself off, or B, you're not willing to deal with the flaws that you have that are causing the pain in the relationship, which was also something that you talked about in your book. Yes. I want to add to what you just said, and it it ties back into the world accountability. And when you're dealing with love in real time, individuals can meet a loving person. Mm -hmm. And and let's say this particular individual has been hurt, Mm -hmm. has been considered damaged, so to speak. That person may take advantage Mm -hmm. of that loving person Mm -hmm. because they know that person is generally a loving person and they will, and they will fill that person's cup up Mm -hmm. without that other individual replenishing the person. Mm -hmm. So if, if I'm giving you a hundred percent love and you're on 10%, Mm -hmm. you may be comfortable with that. Just absorbing all of the love that I have to give, but I'm getting burned out. Exactly. <laughs> yes. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So it's one thing. See, a person that is hurt understands what love is because they know that they are void of it. They know that they have, you know, mm-hmm. been in relationships where love can, and and it's and it's crazy. And I'm sure we're going to deal with this dynamic later. But some will interpret love as negative attention, physical abuse. Oh vul- yes. Vul- vulgarity. So. So that's the difference where people have their perspective mm-hmm. of what love is mm-hmm. like negative attention. Some people consider any type of attention, good attention. Ooh, and that's that. depending on their life or situations that they've dealt with. They may, they may write that under the script as, mm-hmm. yo, that's love. And, and trust me, sis, I've heard it and I'm sure you've heard it. Mm-hmm. You know, you know uh, well, that's just the way he shows me love. Oh, that's just the way she shows me love. Or mm-hmm. some people say, well, this is all the love I have to give. Deal with it. And that comes from not having a proper role model within the home. You can't give something if you don't have a bar or a standard to measure yourself or other people against. I consider myself very fortunate that my parents are still to this day together. They've been married 52 years now, I think. That's a blessing. That's a blessing. It's a real blessing. And, uh, you know, I grew up with even my own cousins and a lot of my friends. They did not have a father figure in the home. And I saw a lot of my friends, you know, in even in community college, get pregnant in college, drop out. Still, a lot of them to this day have not gone back. My father, not in any type of incest type of way, but a dad is a girl's uh, first boyfriend in that this is the first. I understand. Yes, that's the first that's the first male that you relate to in your life and how that relationship is, how healthy or how unhealthy it is or how non-existent it is rules a woman as she becomes a woman and it rules her actions she looks for love and attention in another man and misinterprets physical lust for love and thus keeps going in in relationship after relationship after relationship and giving a piece of herself because she either a didn't have a father around at all or had a father around who wasn't really he may have been physically present but wasn't emotionally present and so that causes a girl to go and seek what she really is looking for from her father in other men i i I totally agree with that and you know being someone that is divorced and has a teenage daughter uh, my teenage Mm -hmm. daughter growing up with me i listened very closely Mm -hmm. to what she said and says to this day Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. you know being an officer retired officer it's like you would have mm-hmm. this mannerism about yourself. And, it, and it's very particular how your daughters will watch you. Mm-hmm. And, I, you know, I made it my business to carry myself a particular way. So even when I weren't immediately around my daughter, I would talk to my daughter and she would say, Daddy, I always thought you was a lawyer or I always thought you was a doctor because of the way you carried mm. yourself. Or Mm -hmm. if she was somewhere with her mother and she said, well, daddy would like this because daddy would do this or daddy doesn't say that or that things like that resonated with me Mm -hmm. because I know the impact that I had on her. So I understand this, what you're saying with the imagery that a daughter has Mm -hmm. of a father and how she will go up into her own years when Mm -hmm. it comes time for her of choosing a mate. Well, this is the bar. Like, why would I? 
why would I allow a man to speak to me like that when my father told me to never say those words myself? Exactly. Why would I allow a man to do this to me when my father spoke adamantly against certain things like that? Exactly. I, I'll give you and con a conversely, if you haven't had anyone to tell you that, then you don't know what to look for and what not to look for. I'll give you I'll give you a funny scenario. I, I took my daughter and my son out to dinner about two months mm -hmm. ago. Okay. And we was looking for a restaurant to go to. And we ended up going to a chain restaurant. I don't want to say the name because we're not giving them any publicity. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, it, listening to my daughter, she was really rationalizing the choices. And she was like, you, you don't even eat here. So why are we going here? So I'm like, mm -hmm. listen, you know, let's just get something to eat. And so we're sitting in the restaurant and we're talking. She's like, daddy, like, I don't even know why we're here. She's like, you know, just know that <laughs> this is not the type of restaurant that I would go on a date on. <laughs> And, and I, had to, I had to catch myself because, like, in, inside I want to laugh. But then I had, I had to have my stern father face. I'm like, you're 16 years old. What are you talking about going on a date? No, I'm not talking about going on a date. I'm just talking about, like, this is not the place. This ain't it, yeah, she said. Like, you know, she was like, you know, this is, this is cool for what we're trying to do right now. But, you know... I, I know, I know what we used to doing. So you know, my, my, like you know, my boyfriend better not take me on a date here. So you know, I had to laugh. You know, inside, I'm like, okay, well, that's that's the bar, that's the standard. That's that, the bar that, that I'm showing in some way. So and that's good. And I that's to, good. And I had to laugh at that. I'm like, wow, you know, this mm -hmm. is coming. And then you, you know, my son's sitting on the side of me. Well, you know. He, he he's a total different dynamic. So he's like, well, well, what is this? You know, the only restaurant you can afford. <laughs> like, oh man, they just they don't let up on you, do yeah. they? <laughs> so it, it, it's very important that fathers, I, and I'm, I don't care what part you play, because you could be in the house and still be absent. Mm -hmm, you exactly, be, you could be in the house and be void, but mm -hmm. fathers have to play. Uh, a strong role in Absolutely. their children, not just in their daughters, but then their children's lives. Mm, because exactly. everything that you say, they pay attention to. Mm -hmm. The things that you choose not to respond to, they pay attention to because mm -hmm. they think that is the green light for them. They right. not only pay attention to what you say, they pay attention to how you carry yourself. They pay attention to your public image as well as your personal image. And I know a lot of people may not believe that they have a public image, but they do. Because mm -hmm. when I'm out walking in the streets of New York, whatever, my public image is depending on how a person that knows me in the street approaches me. Exactly. And if my children are with me, they pay attention to that. Mm -hmm. They pay attention whether somebody approaches me with respect or mm -hmm. not. Exactly. Because that is the embodiment of my stature of who I am as a man in their eyes. Mm -hmm. And as a father, exactly. I am a protector to them. I am an educator to them. So I can't mm -hmm. do anything other than that in front of them and vice versa to the world. So you mm -hmm. have to be on the same accord. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I want to read a quote from chapter five of your book. Okay. It says, you have the pleasure of planning your future, outlining your own path with a blissful imagination. This very moment that you are living in is one of infinite possibilities. Now, I'd like you to direct this to the young Black men who may be listening, who for whatever reasons, and especially I know you can probably relate to this since yes. you served as a correctional officer, there are a lot of young, I, I know there's lots of men, but I'm talking about young Black men. They, there are a yeah. lot of them that don't even see the possibility of a future, much less any pleasure in thinking about it. They don't see it as a blank slate. If anything, they see it as something dismal where they're probably not even going to be alive. So what would you say to them right now about trying to see that you can create your own future, even when everything around them may look hopeless, how do you how do you get through to them? What would you say to them? I would tell these young men that I myself am living proof. And we will, you know, go back before me becoming an officer. 
Okay. When I was when I was a teenager, I was a teenager of the element. You know, I was born and raised in Bedford Stuyvesant, and by no means is that an excuse for my participation in seven, you know, certain activities. But I was one of those teens that woke up in the morning and did not know what tomorrow would bring. Mm-hmm. I was one of those teens that grew up in Brooklyn, you know, in the early 80s and early 90s when it was crazy and coming outside was like a roll of the dice. So when that is your norm, unfortunately, you condition yourself to live in accordance to that. Mm-hmm. Like, I, you know, I had a discussion with an individual who said, I used to look in the mirror and only can envision myself at that age that I was. I couldn't look in the mirror and say, you know what? I can see myself at 20. Mm. I can see myself at 30. Mm-hmm. Like that image was foreign to me. I did mm. not see it because I really didn't know what was going to happen. But then I realized something that I am the sole controller of my destiny. And what brought you to that realization? Stepping away from a lot of people, looking at myself deeper, not just looking at myself in the mirror but looking at myself as for the abilities that I know that I had inside of me. And it's, it's, it's the same formula that people apply to doing things that are negative. If I can wake up in the morning mm-hmm. and say, I'm going to go outside and I'm going to sell drugs, I can use that same energy that's to say, mm-hmm. I'm going to go outside and look for a job. Mm-hmm. The biggest issue is that many youth of today have more negative influences than positive Mm -hmm. influences. And I tell Mm -hmm. young men when I mentor this, I said, for me to be one positive man standing in this classroom talking to you, when you walk outside of this classroom, there are a hundred negative men trying to influence you. Mm -hmm. And that is the problem. And the issue is that we have to believe in ourselves. And and, And I can't make up anything to say like, you know, somebody came up out of the sky and tapped me on my shoulder and showed me the way Mm -hmm. and, you know, promised me a blissful future. Mm -hmm. If I did no, I had to find these things for myself. You really have to go through certain things to really find your worth. And And you also just have to make a choice. Yeah. And and the choice and the crazy thing, the choice is so easy. Mm -hmm. The, The problem is that many of us, refuse to make that choice because we're concerned about how it's going to reflect on our friends, on our peers. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I would rather see myself alive making the difference positively mm-hmm. than having somebody talk about me because I left this earth way too young. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I would rather wake up and make a difference and say, instead of me doing something negative, let me do something positive. Why? Because it's going to reflect in me in a greater way. But if you're surrounded by people that don't aspire for themselves, Mm -hmm. it's hard. Mm -hmm. And I understand this It's very hard to do something great for yourself and seek that acknowledgement from others Mm, to keep you going. Mm -hmm. It's like it's like it's it's like it's like you wanting to do great in school. And somebody says, great Mm -hmm. job, Audra. You Mm -hmm. did a great job. It's a different dynamic when you grow up around a whole bunch of drug dealers and you decide to go get a job. You're not going to hear, great job, Sakeem. You did it. Right, right, right. So you have to push and do that regardless of what anyone says. Mm -hmm. That is is the struggle. That's the hardest part, yes. That's the struggle because you're not. That's the struggle. You do not find that encouragement that you may Mm -hmm. find in other arenas. So Mm -hmm. your fight is harder because you have to fight for yourself and you have to fight to show that there is a shift because every move that you make, you're going to encounter individuals going to say, well, why are you doing that? Yo, you should be doing this. Why are Mm -hmm. you doing that? You you really have to fight for someone to really see something great in you and say, you know what? Come over here. I see what you're doing. Right. You're doing something positive and I'm going to support you. So Mm -hmm. personally, coming from that element, I make it my business to go back to the communities. I make it my business to go back into the schools and say, everything that you're thinking about doing, I've done. Mm -hmm. And that's important. They need to know that somebody else made it out. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. So that leads me to my next question. You said in your book 
because you going back and speaking to these young brothers, that's something that a, that's a man's job. And you said that men must begin to be men again. And this hits home for me. My husband and I often have discussions about the state of things in this day and time of toxic masculinity, which I do not at all subscribe to at all. Thank you. At all. <laughs> Share Thank with you. us what your definition of a man is. Well, I just, I just want to add that there is no such thing as toxic masculinity. Yeah, there's that is, not. That is, that is a, you know, a word that was made up to deter men from being vocal mm-hmm. as men. Mm-hmm. And being a, being a man to me is always going to start with accountability. And we have to be clear that being a man and being a male is one and the same, but different. Mm-hmm. You're, you're a male biologically. Right. Genetically. Mm-hmm. You know, being a man is something that comes with trial and error. Mm-hmm. Owning your errors and correcting your errors as you go. Standing accountable, mm-hmm. being a man of your word, right? Hold, and and Absolutely. I have to, you know, speak from a dynamic in which I come from, and and that's going to entail holding court. Because if you're a man, especially if you're a man that's taking on a position as being a father, a husband, you have a position, right? And I think that gray area that exists right now has individual calling masculinity toxic because some people don't want men to be protectors or they don't want men to exert their brawn and exerting Mm -hmm. your brawn doesn't mean that you're a bully it doesn't mean that you talk down to people it doesn't mean that you belittle people it doesn't mean that you you disregard people it means that when it's time to be on the front line i'm not going to push you in front of me Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that's my position right and it's not to say that because we sit here and say that each person has a position that one person is greater than the other. That's not the case because in order for a society to work in general, everyone has a position. Exactly. If, if you look at the structure of an ant colony, everyone has a position. It's not mm-hmm. that one ant is greater than the other, mm-hmm. but each per, each ant has a position. And mm-hmm. each person within our society has to have a position. And each dynamic within a family structure has to have a position. And men, for the most part, haven't been playing their position because the generation before them dropped the ball. So the imagery of what a man is has been washed down. Mm, mm -hmm, And and I say it's intentional. Of course it's intentional. Some people think that, well, if you have multiple women, you know, you're a pimp and that's what a man is because, because society wise and media wise has uplifted that imagery. And that's all we saw for a certain time. And look who's let's let's uh, we can't even get into that conversation because we'd be here for three hours. Who controls the media and who controls that imagery? And what famous person went to jail? And if you ask Ah, me, but listen, he was about to buy a major television network. But I I tell you this, it, it goes back and it's like the definition of man or masculinity changes because I give you a perfect point. I made a joke about this before, like growing up for me. Seeing Billy D. Williams in a Coke 45 commercial was be- mm-hmm, was being mm-hmm. a man, him holding the can right. and, 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 and the lady sliding up to him next in the booth. You know, uh-huh. you know like, he was like, yo, I want to be like that when I grow up. Yo, that, yo, Billy D., that was the thing. Billy D. Williams was the man. Yes, so, was. so you thought that was the makeup that was those was like the you know the starter kit, you know, get you uh-huh. get your mustache, you know, it made you a man. <laughs> But, Get that S curl going. <laughs> but but it, it left out something. It left out, okay, once you have that imagery, now mm-hmm. what? How, right. do you, how, do you, how do you deal in day-to-day society? A can of Coke 45 is not going to answer your problems. Mm-hmm. It's not going to teach you how to communicate with this woman that you want. It's not going to mm-hmm. teach you how to raise a family. Mm-hmm. And that's what's missing. And that's where that manhood gray area was void at because we have all of these mm-hmm. quote unquote males projecting this imagery of being men, mm-hmm. but they're not talking to us and telling us how to be men or how do you sustain, mm-hmm. you know, a unit and being the head as a man. 
that was void. Everybody wanted to appear as such, but didn't have the mm-hmm. nucleus. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, like I said, touching back on that point, and then we had a man who had a very famous show that we all sat around on Thursday nights and watched. Yes. And he showed how to be a father, how to be a husband. He talked to his kids. He showed emotion. He showed all of this. And this same man was going to buy this TV station because he was tired of seeing black people being portrayed in these lights. And he he knew that the imagery that young children see affects them. And then all of a sudden he's in jail for and I, you know, I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but I just think there's there's something okay. off there. OK. Yeah. Well, well, I, I definitely want to touch on this being that you brought it up. OK. And, and I just and I, and I just want to say this. I am wise enough to separate a man's actions mm-hmm. from a man's influence mm-hmm. that doesn't negate his dealings. Mm-hmm. But. I'm going to touch on the imagery in which he put in front of us. Mm-hmm. He mm-hmm. has raised many homes. Mm-hmm. He has. Um, and to touch on the points that you made to talk about being a father in a household. And it wasn't mm-hmm. a generic script because they talked about issues, mm-hmm. marital issues, mm-hmm. raising, raising children, dealing with peer pressure, exactly. raising children, dealing with sibling versus sibling mm-hmm. issues mm-hmm. dating sex mm-hmm. everything. everything so if you and then the, the spin-off of that show with you the know daughter going to college so exactly he provided something that many homes have never seen mm-hmm. never never even had a male authoritative figure mm-hmm. speak to them in a manner which was to be nurturing, mm-hmm. soothing, mm-hmm. yet stern. Exactly. Because most people, most people only get one of the three. Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> so, so to get all three was a blessing. Mm-hmm. It, it, it really showed, and I can tell you, it really did something in real time because it made individuals start to treat women differently. It made young men think like, you know what? Maybe I can mm-hmm. go to school, mm-hmm. or even if you chose not to go to school, maybe I can carry myself a different way. I saw I saw men socializing differently because of that show. And HBCU enrollment was the highest it had ever been. Went through the roof when those shows were out. Went through the roof. So mm-hmm. imagery is is very important. Absolutely. When it's positive. Mm-hmm. Because when the imagery is negative, it has the same effect. And he was aware of that because if you listen to something 24-7, 365, and it's condemning, when you take off that headset or when you walk out from that immediate reality, Mm -hmm. that's the energy that you're going to have. Exactly. Exactly. And, And when you hear something, the total opposite of that, where the individuals that you encounter are positive. They're showing you love. Mm -hmm. They're sharing, you know, things with you that can uplift you or turn you on to something greater. You will reflect that. Mm -hmm. You will be, you will, you, the individual become more inquisitive. You'll, you'll do more research to figure out how can I find more of this? Exactly. Because you're groomed for it. So let's talk, let's talk about that. In the book, you talk about men being groomed to protect and how women should not mistake this as him trying to dictate or control. Now, I want you to break down the difference between being protective and being controlling because I think there are a lot of women out there and I know I'm probably going to have some feminists hating on me. But my show ain't live, so you can't talk to me. So let's break down the difference. There are a lot of women out there who have this twisted. So break it down. Break it down. Listen, listen, listen. Oh, sister. And listen, Everything that I write is from personal mm-hmm. experiences in, in both books, but, but let's deal with this. And this lends to what we were just talking about, that absent mm-hmm. father figure and women taking upon the attributes of being all for themselves. And that that's, that's good. There's nothing wrong with that. Mm-hmm. But what happens is 
women, not all women, let me be very clear because I know some women are sharpening their knives. Some, some women take on the attribute of male attributes because they have to be a protector of themselves as well. Mm-hmm. So when you live in a society where you may be a single woman, you not only have to protect your femininity and show mm-hmm. it, but you have to be on guard to protect mm-hmm. it mm-hmm. from those who may try to violate it. Now, it gets to the point where one thing overlaps the other. Now, when, okay. and, and I'll give you uh, an actual experience. I was dating this woman and we were going to a restaurant and I put my hand on her hip and I told her, you know, you should walk on this side of the street. Don't walk on the curb. And her response was, I can walk where I want to walk. And that response alone, I already knew, okay, we we have to have this conversation. (laughs) And it was something that wasn't just, you know, me referring for her to move off the curb, but it was that tone of, you know, I'm I'm my own person. You can't tell me what to do. And I understand that. I understand that certain women operate like mm-hmm. that, but you operate like that under the wrong pretense. It's like a man's, and it goes back to that role, a man's obligation is to protect exactly. you. Not to say that you need to be protected, but if you're in the company of a man, he should care about your well-being. And a lot... It, it, that's just the basics. So trust me, I had to scratch the surface with her, but I had to explain to her the rule behind that, the curb situation. I said, well, maybe you were raised differently than I was. But growing up as a young man, we were taught or I were taught to never let Mm -hmm. a woman walk on the curb because when you expose a woman to a curb, for one, you expose her to danger. Two, which is something that is interchangeable upon cultures is that if you walk with your woman on a curb, you're exposing her for passerbys. That is the interpretation of exploitation as if you're selling her. Exactly. But Mm -hmm. I was telling Mm -hmm. this to a woman that grew up without a father in the home. So it goes, see, it goes to that dynamic. So that didn't even compute to her. Like, well, you know, I can do whatever I want to do because she carries that resentment from not being reared a particular way. So when you carry Mm -hmm. that type of resentment of not being reared a particular way and mix that in with being educated, having your own money, having your own car, having your own place, you walk around with a sense of entitlement. And not to say that your accolades are not applaudable, Mm -hmm. but don't let them block you from how you exchange with your male counterpart because when you because when you do that mm-hmm. unconsciously you're going to wonder why you're single for a very long time because exactly. and, and I and I tell exactly. this to women often men and women roles are not to be combative I grew I grew, mm-hmm. I grew up in I grew up in a household where my mother told me I don't fight with my sisters I fight for them and I grew up with that mentality I shouldn't be combative with the women of course there's going to be times where we disagree or you know not have the same point of view but if i have to constantly feel that i have to engage you in a battle battle it's it's not going to work it's not going to be peace it's not going to be harmonious and many men deal with this with women that misinterpret Mm -hmm. being successful exactly the full sense of independence because independence Mm -hmm. independent is singular (laughs) <laughs> and people misinterpret that word. Independent women, that means you're singular. Mm-hmm. That has nothing to do with you taking care of yourself. That has nothing to do with you accomplishing things because that's the goal, hopefully, for everyone. But that doesn't mean that, okay, well, mm-hmm. if I make six figures, screw everybody. <laughs> no, it doesn't. Exactly. <laughs> it doesn't mean that, you know, when I sign the dot on, the, you know, for this home, screw everybody. Mm-hmm. Because it's just my name on it. Well, if you walk around with that, you know, mindset. And see, these are the same women that then say, um, you know, I, they don't I, have I, I don't need a man. It's hard. I don't need a man. But, okay, you've pushed everybody away. So you don't need a man. You made it clear. So why are you upset now that you're alone? And see, and once again, they misinterpret their understanding of not needing a man. Okay, you may have accomplished everything that you've done without a man's assistance. 
that that has nothing to do with the individual, you know, a woman saying, I don't need a man. And that mantra has gone on for so long that it has basically became the definition of independent women. I don't need anybody. I don't need anybody. Well, tell me what society forms with just one person. How can how what is, what is community building with one person thinking monolithic? Like, well, it's, it's just me. It rubs me a particular way because and, and it's not for women to be on defense. But at the end of the day, once they, you know, scraped away all of that, you can't have your cake and eat it, too. You can't, you can't, you know, walk around chanting independent, independent, independent. And then when you do meet a man, you're badgering him. Or, and this leads to my next point, you have such impossible standards. So there's a lot of talk nowadays about standards from both sides of the table and what they will and won't accept. And it makes relationships sound more like contract negotiations than love. And you touched on this in your book. You stated that some men may opt not to marry if the woman already has a child or children, and women opt not to marry if the man's credit score is below 700, and I will add to that, or if he doesn't drive a certain car or live in a certain house or have a certain job. So let's talk about that. Yes. These are, as real as real as they are, they are synthetic standards. Mm-hmm. And these are standards that were set by not us, right. <laughs> per se. These, these are outside standards based on what transpires in society, what is uh, mm-hmm. popular, what it means to be successful. Love is definitely not part of the equation. And, and we can see that on television. We can see that in the imagery mm-hmm. that people do not choose mates for I won't even say love alone because love is not even part of the fact that they choose mates based on stat status or stature what they feel they bring to the yes, table and and we'll figure out the rest down the line and and mm-hmm. that is a big problem that is taking place especially when you're dealing with homes that will void love mm-hmm. to begin with so you may have a young man that grows up you know whether it was a mother or father that didn't implement, you know, the key essentials of what love is and what it, not, not just loving yourself, but how do you love another person? And, right. And if he grew up in a community where he saw a lot of single mothers with kids mm-hmm. that were out of control because they weren't guidance in there, that's going to shape his perception. That young man that grew up mm-hmm. in that same community that live amongst those type of elements are going to say to himself, I don't want that for myself. And he, mm-hmm. and it's not to say that he's right or wrong, but it's his criteria or what he's judging that by. Like he mm-hmm. can meet any woman that may have a child, but he will reflect upon what he saw and say, okay, mm-hmm. you are exactly that. And I don't want that. Right. Not even knowing her story. A woman right. would, see a man working somewhere in Home Depot and say he's not because he's he's here and I'm there. And based on mm-hmm. that status quo or that imagery of because I have an Ivy League job, I can lower this person, not his not not even look at him because of his title, but I'm just seeing him where he's at now and place him there forever. Mm-hmm. And say that just because mm-hmm. he's at Home Depot, he's not intelligent, he's not articulate, he's not mm-hmm. nurturing. I'm, 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 dis- I'm disregarding everything that he may be because of where he's at. Mm-hmm. And this is the problem that we have in our society because we look outside of ourselves to determine where we should be. Or we look outside of ourselves to give validity to what should be important to us. Well, oh, they don't talk about love. And look at them. They both drive matching Benzes and they're in houses. And then but you don't know their family dynamic. You don't know how they, you know, associate behind those closed doors. And it's probably cold as hell and no love. There. Exactly. But most, and you listen, I, I, I see it in the communities. Like relationships have become, you know, just like photos, pictures. Mm-hmm. If we, we look good together and that's all that matters. Mm-hmm. Fronting for the but gram, fronting for the gram. There, there you go. Mm-hmm. We, we, um, and everybody is entitled to their own ideologies, but we do not choose mates 
based on compatibility anymore. Mm-hmm. Everybody is their own individual person. Mm-hmm. But people find out a year ago, well, I didn't even know this person. Right. Yeah, you didn't even know this person because you didn't take time to find out who he or she was. Exactly. Exactly. You just you just saw her or you saw him and you were just stuck on that. And you probably walked around saying, oh, man, my friend's going to love the way we look together. Mm-hmm. Or we both were. And, and, and listen, I come from a career where everybody knew what each other made. Everybody hung out at the same places. So it's like it was like a breeding ground. Mm hmm. Because it was that status thing. Okay, you make 100 and something, 20 G. I make 120 something G. Okay, we the perfect couple. Mm-hmm. And then people get together and find out, well, why you didn't tell me you don't eat liver? Mm-hmm. Shit, you never asked. Right, exactly. Exactly. This goes to my next point that you you explained that they need to admit that liking an individual is not the same as loving them. And that being attracted to a person is not the same as wanting to share in their life. And this is important because a lot of people get into relationships either because of the material side or because of the yes. physical part. And then they find it hard <laughs> to end those bad relationships because of what goes on in the bedroom. Okay. Or because of the material gains that they have from this relationship. So let, let's talk about that a little bit. And it, it kind of picks up from where I just left. And it, it's true. And, and once again, I have to, you know, tell you that I, I this book is basically from personal experiences where you mm-hmm. meet an individual and of course the introduction mm-hmm. may always be heightened to the 10th power. <laughs> you know, everybody is going to sell their best qualities. Right. They're going to polish it up and you, you fall in like with the person because what you see, because of what they've presented. And for the most part, if you're not serious about where you want to be yourself, that like will coast for weeks until months right. into years. Now, you may be stuck on that like, but that other mm-hmm. person may have fallen in love mm-hmm. with you. And the difference, you know, that I tell a lot of mainly mm-hmm. men, because men, in my opinion, have more of a disregard. Like, oh, well, so well, there, there's other women, you know. You, you can't play with people like that. You have to be upfront. Like if you meet an individual and you like them, mm-hmm. address that. Say, hey, you know, we have good conversation. I like who you are as a person. Let's deal with that and see where it goes. Men have men have to be vocal mm-hmm. because depending on and you can't you, you should, but you can't expect women to be forthcoming with their emotions. They will, Except but for me, you, my daddy told me he was like, "You just no, no, laid out there, no, no, and if no. they, if they reciprocate, yeah. fine. I'm, if they don't I'm walk away, about, so I'm different." <laughs> no, I'm, 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 I'm referring to in the introduction right. of meeting a person. A woman, a woman is not going to sit next to you and look at you and tell you, "I love his eyes. I love him. I think right. this is the one for me. I think right, we right. can go somewhere." No, they're going to fill you out over a course of time. And during that course of time, they're not going to give you a play-by-play. You know, I'm liking you a little bit better right, today. Right, right. <laughs> they're not mm-hmm. going to do that. As as men, we'll be very vocal. No, I don't like right, you. Right. No. <laughs> so, I, I think that, you know, men have to be more conscious of mm-hmm. women's emotions because men will men will date you. Mm-hmm. For five years before proposing to you, right? They they will be proposed to you for another ten years mm-hmm. before actually marrying you. And what does the woman do on that end? They will coast along because they have so much faith and so much love in that man. And that man say, "Well, listen, if she never said anything, I'm comfortable." Mm. And see, and, I guess that's where I come back in with the, you know, because I was raised by my parents and my dad had, you know, he's like, know your worth. If a, if a man yeah. knows, if a man knows that you're quality, he, a, a man knows, he, what he he wants. Will. a man knows what he wants. And if he wants you, he's going to make it plain. If he's hemming and hawing, you need to, you need to move on. So I was always that woman that I would, I would say, you know, I really like you. We have good conversations. Let's see where this goes. Now, when I was a young woman in college, of course, you know, to a boy, that's threatening. So they they would run away. And the fact that I was not sexually active until I was married. And that wasn't because 
I was trying to be religious. It was because I saw so many of my friends get pregnant and drop out of school. So I just said, I'm not even going to put that into the, I'm the not universe. In, into the into the relationship because it also I I had a very good friend uh, that got pregnant in college and just finished her her bachelor's degree you know maybe five years ago and we graduated from school twenty well I graduated twenty years ago she had to drop out and she <laughs> stayed with this fool why because he was so good in bed so I left all of that <laughs> out okay I didn't want that clouding my judgment so I was that female that would I was very direct I wasn't aggressive but i would just say you know i like you i let's let's see where this goes for a boy they run but But see but it see it depends on who's in that boy's corner Mm -hmm. or who's in that male's corner Mm -hmm. because that's what men need right because now it now that is concrete for us Mm -hmm. she told us where she is right now i have to either act on that or i have to step back from that Mm -hmm. Or I'm going to make the choice for you. If you don't know, I'm going to make the choice for you. And that, like I said, that's the difference when a, when a, when a young woman is raised by the father and the mother, she's got that balance and she knows how to operate. And she can see my father was, he told me, he, he gave me the markers to look for. So when I saw those markers come up, I would say, okay, well, you know, obviously this is not what you're, what you want. So see, here's the thing. See those markers that you received from your father, you can see them mm-hmm. in advance and say, okay, that's the game. Mm-hmm. A woman that right. didn't have those markers, oh, exactly. that is love to my ears. Those, mm-hmm. those are sweet nothings that he's telling me. Mm-hmm. See, and they it, just get strung along it, because they don't have a standard. And, and, and it goes, you know, on the men's side as well. Some men, mm-hmm. you know, I grew up in a household of women. So I, I knew what women expected of men. I knew how a man was supposed to treat a woman. So it didn't matter to me mm-hmm. what your standards was. You weren't going to make me conform to you. Like if you were used to men, you know, cursing right. at you, I'm not going to say, well, let me jump on that bandwagon and curse at you. Cause I'm like, I grew up with a mother and two right. sisters. I never cursed at them. So you're not going to bring me out right. of my norm, but mm-hmm. some women, like we go back and forth with that. Some women look at that as well. That's, that's how I communicate. That's love. Like if you don't talk to me and and it's a crazy dynamic, but I've heard this. If you don't put your arm on me and grab me up tight, you don't love me. You, you show me that you want me. And you know, I'm like, what? That, yeah. But you know, to talk, like, to talk about that, 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 that love, that love and like dynamic is, is so mm-hmm. fluid because we really get the opportunity to open up and address it. And some people mm-hmm. have been you know, in relationships because they're afraid, you know, to not be, you know, outside of one. So, you know, they allow their years mm-hmm. to pass by, you know, on falsehoods because they hope that, you know, I hope this guy will eventually mm-hmm. love me or I hope she will eventually love me. And then, you know, they tell them, you know, in the heat of mm-hmm. an argument, you know, I never loved you. And you, you're like, well, what was I doing here? Well, you, you mm-hmm. were filling a void and you are afraid to be alone. And there's a difference between being alone and being lonely. You don't have to be lonely because you're alone. And that's what a lot of people because there, don't there understand. Is, there, because there is so much, you know, pain in our community. And that, and, you know, mm-hmm. Tracy Morgan, he makes a funny yet real joke about this situation. And he talks about, you know, growing up in a community and when you're poor and when you're in pain, all, all you have is making love because that's how you sedate mm-hmm. your pain. And that right there was one of the truth to life statements mm-hmm. I ever heard mm-hmm. a person okay. put into a joke. Because over the years, I've seen couples live that actual mm-hmm. life. Like they, you can tell that they are, you could tell that they are oil and water. Mm-hmm. But they stay together because they have that own one commonality mm-hmm. because they both share a different degree of pain. That's the only commonality that they have. So because mm-hmm. we're going through something together, we supposed to be exactly. together, but they tearing each other apart. They're self-destructive, but because they have a pain that they can relate to, mm-hmm. they turn that into mm-hmm. a passion. And that's how a lot of relationships mm-hmm. still carry on because if we are both under the same scope of a struggle, we may have something that we can relate to. Oh yeah, the world is against us. Your society mm-hmm. is hard. You know, the man is against us. They're right. holding us back. 
that becomes, you know, a conversation that is shared amongst many. Mm-hmm. But that shouldn't. And it becomes the thing that you bond yes. over when really that's not what you exactly, want to bond over. Exactly, because what happens is mm-hmm. when one individual starts seeing the light in that relationship, mm-hmm. somebody is going to feel left behind. Somebody is going to feel right. out. Mm-hmm. And that's that's going to create exactly. a different problem. So you have a lot of valuable nuggets of information in your book, and we're getting to the part of the show where we're going to wind down. But if you had to pick just one piece of advice to give to our young Black men out there, what would it be? Love yourself. And how do you do that? What does that look like? Because they may not know what that looks like. Uh, I, I just want to speak directly to the Black young men. When, when I say okay. love yourself, stop comparing yourself to your friends, your brothers, your cousins. Look at yourself and love everything that is you. Love your flaws, your imperfections. Love your height, your nose, your eyes. Understand that you are the direct manifestation of the creator. And that is big. You are here on purpose. You are here not by mistake. You have to understand that. Love your individuality. Do not question it. Do not change it. Do not alter it to fit in what others may be doing. Speak Mm. profoundly about what you feel, even if those around you may disagree. And I, I had to learn that when individuals disagree with you, it forces them to think differently. It challenges the world. So if you feel different, live in your difference. Do not conform. And let me just add an asterisk to this. When I say live in your difference and do not conform, it does not Mm -hmm. mean to be rebellious. It does not mean to be disrespectful. It does not mean to disregard any other. It means to stand firm on who you are. And you can be all of that without being a negative factor. Love Love who you are. Wake up in the morning and... Listen, affirmations work. Affirmations are real. Wake up in the morning and tell yourself, mm-hmm. you are great. When I was growing up as a kid, my mother had affirmations. Like these were things that she would buy. Like our reading materials would have like these posters in it where you would put on the wall where they would have kids that would say um, love, mm-hmm. positive, be strong. These are the affirmations that I grew up as a kid seeing as posters on my wall. So when I woke up in the morning, I looked at these things like love. I I grew up seeing black images of entertainers and everybody that were great. And this is where I tell young men, put yourself in those same shoes. Even if you have to put pictures of yourself on the wall and put affirmations under it, do that. Do not let society define you. Define yourself. Mm -hmm. You are the sole controller Mm -hmm. of yourself. If you wake up in the morning and put on blue shoes or whether you Mm -hmm. wake up in the morning and put on red shoes, you made that choice. And that same choice, you can make another definitive choice about how you feel about yourself and how you carry Mm -hmm. yourself. Do not let anyone, anyone tell you who you are Mm -hmm. and who you're not. Love yourself. I, I am very very sincere about that because young Mm -hmm. men today do not know who they are Mm -hmm. and they look at whatever is close to them and they Mm -hmm. mimic it and when you mimic something you lose yourself and individuals that go through the society emulating something that they are not when they do have that moment to be alone and have that moment of reflection Mm -hmm. they will look at themselves as one that has passed five ten twenty years by and not knowing who they are. I know individuals yes. that go to restaurants to the day and don't know how to order from a menu. Why? Because they pick what they see somebody else eating. They don't even know what their palate is. They don't even know what they like. I see individuals that, mm-hmm. that go out in the open and are afraid to mm-hmm. laugh openly because they are afraid of how their image will be because somebody is looking at them laughing. They don't even know what, what is funny to them. Mm-hmm. because they base their life on the imagery of others. Live for yourself. Love yourself, young men. Right. So these young men that need to read your book, where can they find it? They can find my book on Amazon. They can mm-hmm. get the book directly through me. 
you can contact me through my email, author saikinkuntam at gmail.com. Okay. That is it. Okay. And where can readers find you on social media? Oh, readers can find me on Instagram at author underscore saikinkuntam. You can find me on Facebook at author underscore Saikim Kuntam. And you can find me on LinkedIn as Saikim Kuntam. And let's spell that. It's S-I-E-K-I-E-M hyphen K-O-N-T-O-M. T-O-M, yes. Okay. Well, Saikim, thank you for sharing your time and talents and knowledge with us today. These young brothers out here are very blessed to have been able to hear this knowledge. You are much needed in the Black community. And I thank you so much for for being with me today. Sister, it was an honor, a definite pleasure. Any way that I can be of assistance to you, by all means, let me know. This is what I do. I love speaking for and to my people. So once again, thank you. Thank you for having me. Oh, you're most welcome. And I'd like to leave our readers with a quote from the incomparable Malcolm X. There is no better than adversity. Every defeat Every heartbreak, every loss contains its own seed, its own lesson on how to improve your performance next time. So until next time, booze and bros, grab a book and read. And I'm out. Peace. You've been listening to Between the Reads. I'm your host, Audra Russell. Join us next time for another great episode.